Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Welcome back to episode 22. Thank you for joining us this week. We have a special treat. Our guest this week is Jason Wakub, and he is the founder and CEO of mindbodygreen.com. And his new book is called Wealth, that's spelled W-E-L-L-T-H, How I Learned to Build a Life, Not a Resume. This is what I'm excited about when it comes to this interview. First off, Jason running Mind Body Green. This website is a plethora of information. There is exercise, there's ways to eat, there's things about meditation. And we do live in a world that there is a lot of information and it's really great. I mean, we're very lucky that at our fingertips we can access so much information. At the same time, it can also often be overwhelming. So I was really curious to dive in and to ask Jason, what are some of the foundation, the principles, the guidelines that he follows when it comes to health? This interview, we go all over the place. We talk about health, but the reason that this interview is titled How Mistakes Lead to Your Success is because Jason started off as in regular corporate America in a job that he wasn't happy with, and he took the leap to do something different. And I know many people who are listening might find themselves in the same situation. Unhappy with your job, you want to make a change, but you're not not quite sure how to do that and what to do. Jason really goes deep into this on how to find the courage, how to take that first step, and he is very personal. He's very, it's a a very intimate conversation. He is incredibly honest and he had a lot of courage to share. So I personally got a lot out of it. I hope you do too. So enjoy my conversation with Jason. If you do enjoy it, this is an act of love. So spread the love by sharing it on social media. Come visit me on Facebook and uh, let me know your thoughts. Enjoy. Jason, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Well, first of all, congratulations on your new book. Thank you very much. Uh, I did read it cover to cover, and I have so many questions for you. A lot of my audience might already know you because you are the creator of Mind Body Green, but I want to start our conversation today uh, before the website, uh, before even your first yoga class. Can you tell us about that time in your life when you were suffering with really horrible back pain and what that pain, how that pain impacted your life and what it led you to do? Sure. Life-changing. So I am 41 now. I played college basketball at Columbia, graduated in 1998 and did what everyone did back then. There were no startups. You either became a lawyer, doctor, consultant or Wall Street. So I became an equities trader since I did, had no grades and wasn't interested in any of those other things. I was really interested in making money at the time because I did not have any. And uh, <laughs> all I had was debt. And so became an equities trader and 
shortly after, you know, in that process, you know, discovered that money did not buy happiness and, you know, the, the best, best month of training and most financially successful uh, month of my life was, was the most miserable because um, I had a relationship that was falling apart and then 9-11 happened and then, and then sort of had one foot out the door. Um, you know, I was looking for more in life and just wasn't finding it in trading and so left to become an entrepreneur. And uh, fast forward to about two, 2007, 2008, I was running another startup and flew almost 150,000 miles domestic. And I am six foot seven. Mm-hmm. And so coach seat, do the math. It's not a, it's not a pretty sight. And uh, flying combined with uh, stress and an old basketball injury led to two extruded discs in my lower back, pressing on my sciatic nerve, L4, L5, S1. And so excruciating pain in my right leg. My right leg was like a lightning rod. Went to a doctor. He said, you need surgery. It is not negotiable. Uh, sought a second opinion, of course. And uh, he said the same thing. Doctor number two said, you need surgery. And it was almost as, a, as an afterthought. He said, you know, yoga or therapy might help, but you still need surgery. And so I started to practice yoga, some really light yoga in the morning and the evening, just like 10 or so minutes, and started to feel better and started to look at things like stress, sleep, nutrition, the environment, and how all these things were connected. And, and yoga became a big part of, of this in my life and you know, felt better over the course of weeks. And then shortly after a few months, I completely healed. I'm fine. I never got back surgery. And so... I said, wow, everyone's got health wrong. Every print magazine will lead you to believe it's about vanity and weight loss, and that wasn't it, because at the time I looked really good, but I was a mess. Um, and the internet was, was uh, dominated by people, you know, Googling for symptoms and then freaking out, running to the emergency room. <laughs> so I said, you know, this future, it, it, it's all, it's a little more holistic. Uh, it's, it's this blend of mental, physical, spiritual, emotion, emotional, and environmental well-being, you know, this idea of wealth, you know, and, and this lifestyle, Mind, body, green. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. Started the site and the rest is history. And it took a while. This was back in 2009 too. So it took, it took us a while as well. So let's talk about that transition period. So you're, you're at the doctors. Two doctors are telling you you need to get surgery. One says as he's walking out of the room, yoga might help. And you really grab onto that. Now, my guess is it wasn't that you did yoga once and you transformed your back or the back pain went away. What process, you know, and I'm asking you this for those who are going through pain right now, dealing with some chronic pain or any health condition, there's some consistency involved. There's some patience. When you were first going through that process, you weren't the head of Mind Body Green. You didn't have all this evidence that this was going to work. You were really doing something on faith. What do you think kept you going? What were the thoughts that kept you practicing? Well, it was a couple of things. You know, one is, I I would have had surgery, and so uh, I'm not anti-surgery. I just viewed it as something I just did not want to do. <laughs> uh, and so part of me said, and I think mentally this is really powerful, mentally and spiritually, where you say like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot, and if it doesn't work, I'll, I'll get the surgery. Uh, and so I also have this knowing, I think, internally that, yeah, this is terrible, it's debilitating, like, but, but I'll be okay. Uh, so I, I think having that, that belief system where no matter what happens, I'll be okay, really helped 
me in the healing process. And it was, and I didn't really give much thought to it. I sort of said to myself, you know, I'll try this and we'll see how it goes. And if it works, great. Uh, if not, you know, I'll get the surgery. I'll be okay. Uh, and I think having that ability to, to sort of remove yourself and, and, and let go, I think, is really powerful in the healing process where there wasn't this pressure where, like, this has to work or I'm screwed or I have to, my life depends on it. You know, taking a step back, I think ignorance was a bit bliss. I think now I actually know probably too much and I know the, about the power of the mind and how it can really affect you in the healing process. And sometimes that's good and bad. I think you know, information is power and that's powerful specifically with healing, but I think too much information can often be bad. Right. Uh, whereas this like giant, you know, elephant in the room hanging over your head where like, I have to do this. It's my fault. If I don't do it right, I can play, you know, I blame it on me. It's like Louise Hay on steroids. Right. Um, where it's like, yeah, I control my life, but what am I doing? It's my fault. And I think that's, that can be bad too. So here you're talking about having, having this balance. So you said that the whole Louise Hay on steroids, it's like we can take these affirmations and go too out of control where we just put so much pressure on ourselves, and we just feel an immense amount of shame and guilt if we're not thinking perfectly or, eat, or even eating perfectly. You're now in this environment, in this community at Mind Body Green where you and and all the contributors, the purpose is to inspire others to be healthier. How do you surround yourself with all this information now, really dive in without getting to the point where you become, you know, anal about doing everything perfectly and questioning everything? You know, like you said, going into going into something like this, uh, too much information can overwhelm you and it can backfire. So what do you do personally to be able to expose yourself to this information in a way that it doesn't backfire? You know, I think it's this combination of, you know, something I talk about in business and I think it's applicable in life too. It's this idea of, you know, usually if you're a type A, and I do think I am, you're used to just like putting your head down and charging ahead. And I think that's important. I believe in I believe in work ethic. I believe in working hard. I think most things in life that are that are worth anything, worth having, you have to work for. And so I believe that's a critical component, whether it's in the healing process or whatever it may be. You can't just you know you can't just do nothing. You have to work. I believe in effort. And on the other hand, I think you can't just sit on a couch and you know manifest something or repeat affirmations over and over. Um, you know, I believe in those spiritual principles and I believe those things are important, but I believe in the middle path. I believe it's in the combination of both. I think you have to do the work and you have to have a belief in something greater than yourself and have the spiritual awareness to take a step back and say, you know, I am trying to jam down this door and it's just not happening and have the wherewithal and spiritual awareness to take a step back and say, well, is this like the right door at all? Maybe the, maybe the, the, the right door is the, the door on my right, right over here next to this other door. Like, why don't I see this? And I think it's very challenging, but I think that's the sweet spot where you want to operate in, in, in everything you do, you know, in life and in business. It's, you know, you have to do the work. And at the same time, you have to be spiritual connected and have that awareness. Right. How do you stay spiritually connected on a daily basis? For me, meditation plays a big role. Uh, you know, I think in the wellness world, 
uh, you know, specifically speaking with a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, you know, for me, yoga played a huge part in my healing process. And once, once I was healed and yoga was a big part of it, like I, I could not get enough of yoga. And I went to, you know, five to six public yoga classes a week and I couldn't get enough of it. And then as my body green grew and we started to hire and my days became longer, five yoga classes a week became three a week and then one a week and then one a month. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what the hell happened to my yoga practice? You know, all this, all this, I'm making everyone's, I'm enriching everyone's lives, but what's happening to mine? And so I made the decision, uh, you know, I love what I do. I'm so passionate about what I do. You know, I have to work long hours and that's okay, but I'm going to, I'm going to find a practice that works for me. So that became committing to yoga on the weekends where I would do yoga at home for 15 to 20 minutes. And, and that's how my yoga practice evolved. And on a daily basis, that's where meditation came in. And so I meditate every day. Um, you know, I, I do Vedic meditation or TM, you know, I have the mantra repeated over and over. I meditate in the morning or in the afternoon. I, I, I often don't, sometimes I can't do twice a day, but I, I always do once a day. I never miss a day. And that's been huge for me as a tool uh, to stay spiritually connected. And I think, you know, we often fail when we try to start a practice and it's just not sustainable within our lifestyle. And that's why I you know, told the story of how my yoga practice had to evolve. And I think, you know, whatever we do in life, the key word is lifestyle. Like, can it fit into my life? Whether your life is full with work or family or what have you, can you find a practice that you can fit into your life that actually fits? And it's not something you're dreading or you just can never find time for. It's finding something that fits into your lifestyle. That's, that's, that's what's sustainable and really meaningful in the long term. Right, because too often we can get caught up in even what the experts are doing and thinking that we have to fit their time their yoga time or meditation time in our life. So I love that you're, you're giving individuals permission to find what works for them, and it might be less or more different than any other expert they hear from. Yeah, and it just it drives me insane when so you know there's you have to do this or you have to do that. And I say I say this in the book. As I mentioned, I'm six foot seven. I'm 41 years old. I probably weigh 225 pounds or so. Even I don't weigh myself anymore. Uh, you know, I do yoga on the weekends. I meditate daily. I go to the gym once a day. I walk a lot. Like that works for me. Like this idea that what works for me at age 41 with this, you know, heavy workload. Like how could take a woman who's five foot two, 19 years old, and runs you know, three miles every morning. Like, how could what works for me work for her? Like, we're completely two different people with two different lifestyles. And that goes with fitness and nutrition, you name it. And I think the one-size-fits-all approach to wellness is just insanity. Right. In the beginning of your book, you you do address this. Because in Mind, Body, Green, there's a lot of different opinions. And sure. You, so, so what is your advice to someone uh, – who looks at all these different opinions and is just looking for the right one. They feel a bit overwhelmed and they're just looking for the rules, the diet that'll work for them. You know, I, I do think, I, I think there are a few universal principles, but I do think it's really listening to your body and finding what works for you. Uh, 
I, I do believe in the power of e eating plants. <laughs> I think <laughs> Michael Pollan had it right with eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And so I think the problem with diet, particularly in America, is you know 90% of what we eat is probably animal products and processed foods and 10% fruits and vegetables. I think you are going to be in a much better place. It's more of a lifestyle if you're eating 80% vegetables, plants, fruits, you know, legumes, and then your 20% is, you know, your, your animal products, your fish, you know, your, your fun food, so to speak. I think if you flip it, that is much more sustainable. I do think sugar is toxic and terrible. Um, and I think there's, there's lots of research that supports that. Just do some Googling. Um, but I also believe in having a donut every once in a while. You know, I believe in living life. I believe in, you know, yesterday was Easter. Have some chocolate, <laughs> you know. You know, I do believe gluten probably is not optimal for most people. But, you know, if you're in Rome or you're in Brooklyn or near Roberta's, like, you know, which I think is like the best pizza, you know, enjoy it. Like, have it. Uh, you know, but if you're having sugar, like, you probably shouldn't have tons of sugar every day. And so once again, it's finding this lifestyle. Like the, it's 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 you know I think eating mostly plants works for most people, uh, and then having having you know food that you enjoy, but but not every day. You know I think once again you know start start with plants and vegetables as the cornerstone of your diet, and whatever you do, you're going to be probably in pretty good shape. Right. Right. So true. I want to shift a little bit out of talking about food and. You said something before that I loved, and you touch upon this a lot in your book. You were saying that when you're knocking on a door and it's not opening, you also have to take a step back and ask yourself whether you're even knocking on the right door. Yeah. And you have a great story in the book about your uncle. Could yeah. you share that story and the lessons you've learned about what doors to knock on? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's this idea, my uncle specifically, uh, you know, He's, I think, 70 now. Um, so worked, you know, very hardworking guy, uh, worked his ass off his whole life, uh, primarily as a commercial banker, you know, worked and worked, uh, you know, always putting in more hours, always, you know, trying to do more, save a little more money for his, for his family, uh, just so he could get to retirement. And so this poor guy, like, would never take care, you know, just... Self-care is, is not a word that uh, a lot of men understand. <laughs> it's taken me to figure out what that means for me as well. Um, and you know, specifically men of a, an older generation, like self-care, like what the hell's that? Like they don't, they don't, you know, th there's no such thing as self-care. Uh, so finally gets to retirement. You know, he made it. He, you know, saved the extra dollars and finally, finally gets there. And just a few weeks later, he finds out he has cancer. You know, and it's just really terrible. You know, you work your whole life, you finally get to the finish line, and that's your retirement. Uh, and really eye-opening for him. And, and it's this idea of, uh, oh, what, what, why did I do all this? You know, I'm like, sure, diet played a role. Uh, my uncle was probably addicted to sugar, uh, drank way too much soda. <laughs> um, but, you know... Why, why are we really here and, and why are we doing what we're doing? Uh, I think so many of us get caught up in 
uh, always searching for more and climbing the ladder. Um, you know, I think it's important to step back and say, well, wh why am I, you know, is this the right ladder? Why am I climbing it? What, what am I doing? What, 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 what's the goal here? What's the finish line? Like, why? Because um, what you don't want to do is, you know, get to the finish line you know, or get to the top of that ladder and say, holy shit, I was on the wrong ladder. Or this is it. This is the feeling. I'm empty. I've done it. And I think, you know, I think a lot of us uh, live our live our lives, you know, myself included in the past, is, you know, really pushing ourselves to accomplish things that probably aren't that, that meaningful. And I'm all for accomplishing great things and succeeding and money and all that great stuff. But, you know, I think to be really fulfilled, uh, you, you really have to look deeper into why you're doing something. Mm. I think another great question to ask yourself is, who am I doing this for? Because yeah. I have, I've worked with clients who realize that they were doing things they didn't even want for parents that weren't even around anymore. Yeah. You know, kind of fulfilling somebody else's dream for you. Yeah. Yeah. Your book is called Wealth, and that's W-E-L-L-T-H. When, when you think about the transition that you've made in your life, going from chasing money to having more of a balance – how did you how did this idea of wealth the definition evolve for you well i saw very early on in my trading career um, that money did not buy happiness so i was in search of the the, the first definition of wealth w e a l t h you know i did not grow up with money uh, you know went to columbia with lots of loans so walked out with lots of debt and saw money as something that I always wanted. It, bought, it could buy me freedom. Uh, you know, I just really wanted money. And so my second year of trading, uh, I made $800,000 in a year, which is an insane amount of money, uh, specifically for someone that young. And the month I, the, the biggest month that year, I think I made like $230,000 in a month. Uh, and my relationship at the time was falling apart. And I was absolutely miserable. And talk about a contrast. It's like all I ever wanted was this money. And here it was, and a lot of it. And I am just so miserable. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I would have given anything, given all that money back to just have that relationship repaired. And it was just an eye-opening uh experience to wow like this isn't a cliche like money does not buy happiness like sure money does lots of good things and I, and I like money don't get me wrong there but like it does not buy happiness and so you know became a building block on my entrepreneurial journey into this like greater definition you know into what I call wealth where you know I think the true definition is spelled with an E and it's this fundamental, physical, spiritual, emotional, and environmental well-being, you know, and wealth is more about abundance, so to speak. Uh, that's something I'm personally passionate about. And I think, I, you know, I wish more people would, would seek. And, and once again, you know, as I say, I start off the book, don't get me wrong. I like money, mm -hmm. but there's more to life. Right. And I think this is an important message for people who are putting their happiness on hold because of their finances. Yep. Or, or really anything, you know, just answering the question, I can't be happy because, is it finances, is it health, but what limitations are you putting on yourself to feel good because of your circumstance? Yep. There is a quote that really impacted you uh, that I want to read 
uh, and I'd love you to just tell us more about why this is something that had such a profound impact on you. It's from Lawrence Persall Jacks. Hopefully I said his name right. Yep. But the quote is, a master in the art of living makes little distinction between his work and his play, his labor and his leisure, his mind and his body, his education and his recreation, love and his religion. He hardly knows which is which. He simply pursues his vision of excellence through whatever he does, leaving others to decide whether he is working or playing. To him, he is always doing both. Tell yep. us about that quote. So, you know, it's funny when when I was a trader, uh, you know, I love trading and you know, it was very much of extension, especially out of college, playing basketball, of competing and being an athlete and loved it. And that started to change after 9-11 and it started to change as I wasn't making as much money, which was still a lot of money. <laughs> um, and I started to check out, you know, mentally and literally I would start to leave early, you know, especially in the summer. I would start to take off Friday and Thursday and next thing you know, I would take off after lunch and I would just, I would be gone. Like mentally I wasn't in it. Uh, you know, I wasn't doing work on the weekends. Like I just wasn't passionate about it. And so I remember stumbling upon that quote and just being like, I want that. I want that career. Like I, I yeah, trading's fun and I, and I make money and, and, that, and it affords me to, you know, have freedom and, and, you know, do nice things. And, and, but I'm not passionate about it. Like I, I, I want that quote. Like I want, I want to be one of those people you read about. Like at the time it was like a Martha Stewart or an Oprah or, you know, people who were just so passionate and in love with what they do. They just couldn't get enough of it. And I just said like, I want that. Like I want out. I want that. I want that career, not the career I'm at where I'm just checked out and I'm, you know, I'm gone. So yeah, it definitely had a profound effect on me. What advice do you have for someone who's in that position now? They're thinking, okay, that's how I want to feel. They're in a job that they're not happy in. And there's a lot of uncertainty and maybe they don't have the clarity yet as to what that would even look like having a job that feels like play. Uh, What would you say to them? I would say, you know, try to to really do a deep dive internally. and really think about what is it you're looking for, what what is it you're passionate about. And then I would go to LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn is one of the greatest resources of our time for you know career, <laughs> career advice and advancement. Uh, go surf around LinkedIn, look at people's profiles who you think have that dream job or dream career and who have made changes and just like I think too many people spend too much time surfing around Facebook. I think they should be surfing around <laughs> LinkedIn. Uh, I think you'll find inspiration there, and you may find jobs and paths that you didn't know existed. And I think it's just a great process of seeing what's possible out there. You may find that people have, you know, had interesting backgrounds. Maybe in some circumstances, you know, in certain careers, they're they're less interesting, and it's a pretty you know straight line to get from A and B. But you know, I, I think uh, it's a great source for inspiration and to poke around to see what's possible out there. Another thing I love to I loved learning about you is that you decided to leave trading. You decided to make a transition, but your first endeavor wasn't successful. And the reason that I enjoyed reading that is is because I had the same experience. I know so many other people have the same experience, but 
many of us think that when we leave a job we're unhappy with and we jump into something else, that whatever we jump into has to be perfect and the thing. Um, but it could be part of an evolution to something greater. Yeah. Can you can you tell us about that that part of your life? So you realize you're not happy, you want to do something else, but those other things aren't quite quite working. What did you say to yourself? What did you remind yourself of to yep. keep going and let um, Mind Body Green evolve? Yeah, it was three. I was part, I was part of three companies that did not work out. Uh, you know, I think part of me said I need I need to take the first step of this journey. And the first company I was part of, uh, I wasn't necessarily passionate about the company or what we were doing, but I knew I had to take the step. And and it was the same with the second and third companies where you're, you know, you're on this journey and I think you have to say to yourself sometimes, I don't know where this is going, but I know I have to go this way. Um, and it's part of my path. And, you know, it speaks to this, you know, the famous Steve Jobs line, you can't connect the dots going forward, you can only connect them going backwards, where today in Mind Body Green, I could totally look back upon my experience, you know, as a trader at a healthcare startup and at two consumer product startups and say, I learned so much from each and every, each and every one of these experiences and completely made me who I am. And, um, you know, it gave me the wherewithal and it's, it made me a better CEO and entrepreneur with my buddy green. Uh, but once again, you can only connect the dots going backwards, not forwards. So, you know, sometimes I think you just have to have that faith and knowing, okay, this isn't where I want to be, but I know I have to be here right now and I won't be here forever, but I need to stick with it. I need to work hard. And then, the next step, the next company, the next job will present itself. And so I think I always had that sort of knowing where, yeah, it was painful when things didn't work out, but I, I just, I knew I was on the journey. I was doing it. I was on the journey. And I think that's, you know, you just have to embrace it and go with it. And I think that's difficult, but I think you have to do it. I think you have to be prepared to weather the storm. I love that. That's great advice. So I have a, a few questions and I always... I mix them up every interview, but questions that I tend to ask most experts. So one of my questions is, what is something, you kind of answered this, but maybe you'll have a different answer, but what is something in your life that at the time seemed horrible, but ended up becoming a big blessing? So what is what was horrible and ended up becoming a big blessing? Uh, you know, a number of things. Uh, I think... You know, losing my father unexpectedly at a young age, at age 19, to a heart attack was one of those things that was absolutely terrible. Uh, you know, I think children losing a parent that, even though I wasn't a child, you know, still sort of was a child in so many ways, uh, you know, it was devastating. It's like the worst thing in the world that could ever happen. Um, and then what you find is, you know, you get through it. Um, and, and, and you almost say to yourself, like, okay, as this thing happened, I got through it, uh, you know, this was pretty bad. And when, when other things happen, when adversity strikes, you, you can draw on that and say, well, I can get through this. You know, you start to, start to really build uh, resilience. And, you know, in the great Malcolm Gladwell book, I think it's David and Goliath, like, he actually talks about that a lot, like, 
uh, you know, I think he speaks to children like who are much younger, but like children who lose parents at a young age can either go one of two ways. One is they just completely fall apart and never recover. Uh, and on the other hand, they can become resilient and rise to the occasion and, and go on to do great things in life. And, uh, you know, it's something that was terrible in time, but in many ways, you know, shaped who I am, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a person, uh, you know, just, just getting through that, I think, you know, really uh, helped me grow, whether, whether I wanted to grow that way or not, uh, you know, really helped me grow as a person and become the, the man I am today. So, yeah. Another question, what is something that no one would know about you unless they went to middle school with you? That's a good question. I don't know. A lot of it's in the book now. <laughs> I feel like I put a lot in there. You did put a lot. Um, I don't know. You know, I think I, uh, let's say I went to middle school with me. Or what was middle school Jason like? What were some characteristics about you or things that you loved? Uh, you know, I think I was always optimistic. I think I was always a good athlete. Um, I also think I could be terrible sometimes like most boys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, I think I think I actually put a lot of it up in the book, as as my mother likes to remind me. You know, why do you say all those bad things about you were a good child? Um, you make it sound like you were terrible. Um, so I, I think you know, I'll leave that one open. Okay, okay. And the last question: If you could be any kind of animal, what would you be, and why? You know, I, I love German Shepherds. <laughs> That's like my favorite dog I grew up with. Uh, so I'll go with a German Shepherd. Okay, but wh- we, we need to know why. We know you why? love German Shepherds, but why? What is it about, what is it about them? You know, they're just, they're smart, they're strong, they're beautiful, they're so loyal. Uh, you know, they'll, they, they're so loving. You know, I love that. You know, they're, they're so I'll go with that. Okay, perfect. You know, I'm... I've been at that's the one question that I've been consistent with with every episode. And it's because I really think that you learn about someone's personality by what animal that they love. <laughs> I do. I've gotten some great answers. So I think that's a reflection of your own personality, Jason. And I'm really happy that you're on the show. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they grab your book? Sure. So you can go to wealth, W E L L T H dot mind body green uh to get more dot mind green mindbodygreen.com so wealth dot mindbodygreen.com to get more information about the book or just google wealth w-e-l-l-t-h and go to amazon or barnes and noble or your local bookstore or you can follow me on twitter or instagram at jason wachob w-a-c-h-o-b as in boy awesome jason thanks so much for being with us thanks so much jess it's an honor 